This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello friends, future friends, haters, and ex-lovers. Welcome back to another episode of Crimes of the Heart. I'm your host, Rory Uphold. And there's an anonymous survey in today's show notes. It should take you less than five minutes. I might even take you two. And it will directly affect the future of this show. So if you have an opinion on the future of this show, please fill out the survey. I would love to hear from you. Also, it's 100% anonymous, so you're not going to enter your name or your email address or anything. This information is truly just so that I continue to make a show that you guys want to listen to. Also, it's a great place to let me know what isn't working for you. Okay, are you burnt out on dating apps and want to learn how to meet people in real life? Do you find yourself dreading confrontation with your friends? Because today's episode is for you. My special guest is a relationship expert who wrote a book about friendship called You Will Find Your People that can be perfectly applied to romantic relationships. So much so that we really oscillate between both throughout the entire episode. In fact, if every time you hear us talking about friends, you swap that for girlfriends or boyfriends, the episode makes total sense and rings 100% true. Which is why I love this episode and I'm pretty sure that you will too. Lastly, a quick word about today's sponsor, Osea. As an act of self-care, I would highly, highly recommend getting your holiday shopping done now so that you're not panicking last minute this year. Personally, I will be stuffing stockings with the Super Glow Body Set from Osea. Why? Well, because it's my favorite clean beauty line, which if you listen to this podcast, you already know. <laughs> Uh, I love Osea because it's made with incredible ingredients that my skin actually loves. Plus, it's climate neutral and cruelty free. And they support this show. I mean, that's a win-win. And every time I've given Osea to my friends or my family, they all freak out. It's just the best. I I don't know what to tell you. And the Super Glow Body Set is truly like the perfect gift for colder weather because it exfoliates and hydrates, leaving you feeling supple and fresh, but also smelling incredible. It combines three of Osea's best-selling products at a crazy value. Like right now, you can save 30% at oseamalibu.com plus my discount code for an additional 10% off. That's 40%. That's crazy. So give the gift of glow this holiday season with clean vegan skincare from Osea. And right now we have a special discount code just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code crimes at oseamalibu.com. Head to oseamalibu.com and use the code crimes for 10% off. Okay. Without further ado, Lane Moore, welcome to Crimes of the Heart. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to talk to you. I am too. We have some good mutual friends, so I've been excited about this. I texted Akila. So great! One of my favorite humans on the entire planet. 
Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I was like, I have Lane on the show. Is there anything I should ask? She gave me a she gave me a cue that I'll I'll drop in. That's great. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. But just to like really dive in there, I would love to know how do you think making friends is very similar to day night? Oh, it's so it's so similar. And it's so funny because I just right off the bat, um, there's literally a chapter in You Will Find Your People about how I think we should be treating our friendships more like our romantic relationships. And of course, I don't mean, you know, you should make out with your friends unless that's what you want to do. Um, but what I mean is that we tend to put them in these different compartments where we're like, oh, friends are these people that we have these kind of surface level relationships with. You don't go too deep. Don't weird them out. Don't talk about anything serious. You know, so much of our culture has historically been about your friends kind of uh, are there to bide your time until you meet your husband. And then every, all your energy is supposed to go to him. You bring him all of your problems and your friends you just have fun with. That's all it is. That's what we tell women. And I just couldn't disagree more. And I know that that is why so many of us feel like our friendships are kind of hollow, especially when you think about, you know, we're being told that so, so often, even in these kind of subliminal ways. But then also we're watching TV shows where like they've had a friendship for 30 years and it's like their soulmate and all this stuff. And so we're being told these conflicting things. We want the things we see on TV, but we're also being told like, don't bring that stuff to your friendship. This is just supposed to be light. We don't know how to navigate. We're not taught how to navigate, you know, how do you bring up when there's like a grievance in the friendship? How do you bring these up? And I posit in in this in this book, and I deeply believe that we're supposed to be doing just as much work on our friendships as we're doing with our partners, because our sticky stuff, our pain from the past, our pain from past relationships, our pain from our childhood, that all comes up in our friendships, you know? And if we can't talk about that, because that's not what you do in friendships, we just, we need to start over. So I really, it's so similar. You're going to be you're going to have those triggers come up. You're going to have disagreements. You're going to have misunderstandings. You know, it's not the way, as much as I wish it was, it's not the way it is on TV where it's like, you never fight. You're never misunderstood. You never don't get what you need from somebody. You're never ghosted by a friend. You never have to end a friendship. These are all things we face in our romantic lives and we face them in our friendships. This is true. I 100% agree with what you're saying. One, it's wild to me that we are expected to be incredible at relationships, incredible at sex, incredible at love. We're never taught it. It's very yep. much like a taxes thing. It's like we get set up to <laughs> get to fail and get fucked in the worst way. But also, you're so right. Like so many of the issues that we face, either in friendships or in our romantic lives, are the same issues. Yes. So one of the things that is literally exactly that. Um, so... I talked a lot in my first book, How to Be Alone, about uh, attachment styles and how those have affected me throughout my life and reading about that and learning about that has affected me throughout my life. And then when I was writing this book, I started to realize, oh my God, the only conversations that we have about attachment styles and attachment theory, anything like that, is always centered around romantic relationship. When I had a, a huge realization that I was like, oh my God, but like, so many of us are playing out the same attachment disorder, you know, dynamics, uh, insecure attachments, all these things in our friendships. I have struggled with anxious attachment in my romantic relationships. And I realized I struggle with it in my friendships, too. I had attracted a lot of avoidant partners in the past romantically, and I had attracted a lot of avoidant friends. Some people, it doesn't have that crossover. But for so many of us, we're taking our struggles with us in any kind of relationship. So this centering around, you know, the idea that it's only going to happen in your romantic relationships and that's all we need to focus on, that's all we need to work on, is frankly bullshit. Could could not agree more. And I'm debating whether I should keep going on this or bring up the fact that you <laughs> also have had like a dating show for a hundred years. Yeah. I'll just go do that. So, okay, you do right. Tinder Live. You've done Tinder Live yeah. for the dawn of time. <laughs> Yeah, since the dawn of dating apps, which does feel like they've been around for a thousand years now because that's yeah. how it feels spiritually to have used them. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. I think tw- 2012, right? Yeah, that's like 20. Yeah, I so think many lifetimes ago. Something like that 2012 or 2013, because it was like my, you know, yeah, something like that. Yes. So what would you say is the biggest change you've seen in the last decade? It's so funny that you say that because I was just talking about this on my podcast where I was like, you know, people always want to know, like, what has changed? And the answer is nothing. I have seen no change. Have you seen a change? Have you seen, like, people acting better, being better? Like, not really. Not a marked change. If you did, everyone you know would be in love. Everyone. No, I I think I have seen a change, but I've seen it get worse. There you go. Okay. When I hear change, I think positive change. But I'm just like... No, because people are only going to change if they have to change. If if they're if the well, some people I'll say that some of us are like doing our own work and we want to change for ourselves and for the world. Some people, the people who are bringing the toxicity to dating apps, are only ever going to change if they're like forced to change. If the app like didn't allow it, or like you know, uh, or if there was some kind of I don't know. But what I will say, I think a, a lot of the the toxic men on dating apps. And that's really what uh, Tinder Live goes goes running towards uh, like it's running into a burning building. They don't think the problem is them. They're never going to think the problem is them. You know, so many of the profiles that I have seen over the years are these profiles, and I'm sure you've seen them, of men who are just yelling in their dating app profiles. Just like, first of all, why do you have a photo of you with all your hotter friends and you're not even the hottest one? Second of all, I don't want no drama. No one wants to date you if you have kids. It's like this list of grievances. I have no reason to think you're hot. No reason to like you. Half the time, it's a photo of a meme. You don't even have a face. And yet you have a list of demands. Those types of people, there's never going to be a change. There's never going to be a change yeah. because, like, that guy thinks he's the king and he deserves everything. And these women should be flocking and they're not. There just need to be different women. Surely someone will like this. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That no. That is – those profiles really do – it depends on the day. Like, they either give me a giggle or they make me want to blow my brains out where it's, like, must work out. No kids. Right. It's like no fatties, no blah, blah, blah. And it's like, again, I would love to even see even one photo of you since you're such a perfect specimen of a man. But it's like and they're like, oh, well, I can't have a photo because I'm in a very high position at my company. And you're like, no, you're not. What what is this? You're in the CIA and it's real hard to date. Shut up. Also, by the way, I do have friends that work at the government. Even if you're in the CIA, like you're allowed to date. You can't tell you have to use whatever your alias is. But but it's also just like those guys definitely are not or they're cheating on their wives or whatever it is. And it's just like when you said like depending on the day, seeing those profiles either like make you laugh or make you feel horrible. Honestly, that literally that is why I started Tinder Live. That's why I created it, because I knew immediately I was like, oh, Seeing enough of these, you're going to go seeing these profiles. You're going to feel so if you're doing it alone, you're going to feel so like it's like it's your fault somehow. Like you're the only one who's getting these really crappy profiles. Other people, other women must be getting really good guys, must be getting really great messages. They're not experiencing this this toxicity and it feels personal and it feels exhausting and it feels lonely. And I was like, no, 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 no. I want to do this with like projector screen of the profile we're all experiencing it together so that so many women can see that this these are the profiles everyone's being served everyone's being served the same food um and also to be able to have somebody on stage who is able to be fully in control not like i can always out weird them uh because i play a character on tinder live and it's totally improvised and it's like i'm very much in control. If if I'll give you like an example for people who haven't seen the show, but like one time in an early Tinder live show, there was a guy in his profile and he was like, no feminists. He couldn't even spell feminism. And yet this was a requirement. No feminists. Uh, if you're a feminist, swipe left. And so uh, I, <laughs> I swiped right, of course, because that's what Tinder live is. I, I was like, what's a feminist? And he was like, it's somebody who believes in equality among the genres not genders, genres. And I was like, oh, so like a comedy or like a anime is like the same? I am not a feminist. I do not believe that. And he was like, uh, okay. Like, oh, 
So just leave chaos. But like you would never do that when you're like home alone because you're just going to be like sad because you just want to feel loved. But I, I, I like that you said that because I hear that from so many women who are like, I'm able to find such catharsis and like just to be able to laugh for an hour. At, whereas if I was, you know, and also sometimes people will women will go home and they'll be like, I just realized it doesn't matter what I say to them. Because when you're doing it alone, you're like, I have to say the right thing. I have to present myself the right way. I've literally told men on Tinder Live that I was like trapped in the woods and they've been like, oh, I'll, I'll help you out. Like, you could say anything. It doesn't matter. Drop a pin. Literally, they were like, whoa, where? I'll come send you. And it's just like, it's not that serious. Not that I'm trying to marry the guy who's trying to rescue me from the woods, but it doesn't matter, you know, because because sometimes I'll say really wild shit on the show and the guy turns out to be kind of cool. So it's like you really can't say the wrong thing. And then I will say it's cool, too, because I hear from men. So many men have no idea what we are dealing with on dating apps. And when they watch Tinder Live, they're like, oh, I didn't know this is what you're subjected to. And I'm like, yeah, it's like if you raise the bar a little bit, you're going to look like Prince freaking charming. Like, I don't yes. think you understand how close the the glass ceiling is. <laughs> it's so, you know what I yeah, mean, the, for men. The bar is like beneath the earth's core is what I always say because it's really, it's really true. It's just like, oh my God, you showed me the slightest amount of respect. You wanted to hear what I had to say. You asked me something other than like, how are you? What? I don't how even, why how was your week? Or like, or like W-Y-D. You couldn't even type it out. You couldn't even type it out. Also, I'm pretty sure you just are copy pasting W-Y-D. To everyone. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so with that said, do you still use dating apps or have you? No. Yeah. No. Same. I, Same. I, I use them for, I use them for Tinder Live and then I'm like, I'm good because I only feel joy when I'm using it for comedy now. I, I just don't. Because every now and again, and I don't know if you do this, I hope I hope you you don't. I hope I hope you're free. But every now and again, it's so tempting to feel to to dive back in and be like, I don't know, maybe someone incredible just joined like this week, and I'm gonna get him. And then you swipe through, and you're like, no. Or or you match with somebody who you're like, this person seems great. Surely we will talk. You will not. So it's it's it's. You know, it's just like, okay, well, why do, why do I keep expecting, like, different results? I'm doing the same thing. Right. Well, because we've been sold it. But that is perfect because your book lays out the perfect way to meet people. Because, like, one of the things that I, I get is, like, okay, so yeah. apps don't work. We know this. But I don't really know how to meet people or especially yeah. men that I want to want to date. And granted, your book is You Will Find Your People. It's like a guide to making friends. But I think that yeah. the same rules still apply. They do. It's 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 the same thing, you know, and, and we do need we just do need an overhaul in the way that we talk about meeting people and the way that we talk like how easy that is and what we have to sift through. Because I know a lot of times when I've done interviews or stuff like that about this book, and people will ask me, like, what's the best place to meet people? And I'm like, can we get away from looking at a lot of these, like, sticky, nuanced relational things in this really, like, simplified way? Do you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like for so long we had this advice that it was like, the best place to meet people is to join a club. I don't want to join a fucking club. I don't even know. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're a lot of the advice we're given is so boring and so reductive. But that was like, a I don't know if it was like, generational or the type of thinking but just this idea of like you have a problem here is the one answer I don't I don't agree I really don't and so I think that's what I try to do in in all of my work or because here's what happens if you have somebody that you see on like a tv show or you hear on a podcast or whatever and they're like go to a bar there's gonna be people who listen to that and they're like I don't drink I hate bars I've tried to go to bars it didn't work and then what's gonna happen the person listening to that is gonna be like oh I failed there is an answer and that is it. And it didn't work for me. Something's wrong with me. That's why I hate that kind of advice. So it's like, instead, I wanted to kind of approach that from a different perspective that holds all parts of somebody. Sometimes you really don't want to leave your house right now. <laughs> so like the answer for, you know, how do you meet people? It's like, maybe you don't need to meet them right now. Maybe you're not in a place for it. Which is so different sure. from like the advice that we're given, which is like, you have problem? Here's how to fix it. And it's like, what? 
No, sometimes I, I think I just want people to allow themselves to kind of make space for that. And then also, you know, I think I, I I just really want people to get away from like putting this pressure on themselves to like do it the right way. So what I talk about more in the book is to kind of look at the things that keep you from connecting with people, kind of look at the things that are keeping you afraid of that, like examine those things. And then also in your day-to-day life, just be a little bit more open. It doesn't have to be like, all right, get ready for your full-time job of making friends. That sounds exhausting. I don't have energy for that. I don't, that doesn't sound fun. Just, you know, when you go to your yoga class or you go to pick up bread or whatever, like, I think so many of us have these little moments in our lives when we're out in the world or even online. There's a whole chapter about internet friendships. These little moments in life where we have these little connections. Can you explore them a little bit more deeply? Can you, the person who you always end up sitting next to in yoga class, is that somebody that maybe there's something there with? You know what I mean? Just these moments of vulnerability that we we're scared to do at this point. Yeah. So it's like not putting yourself out there because you don't want to get rejected by this person or seem like a weirdo for being like, hey, would you ever want to get like coffee after class? Because you might not know them very well. Yep. Yeah. Or even just I, al- I always say it, it's really just opening the door. That's all it is. You know, it, it's it's because op- it, somebody has to do it. Like there's literally a girl who's like always next to me in one of my yoga classes. And I feel like we're both very introverted and I haven't I haven't opened that door because I've done that plenty of times in yoga and it's not ready yet. And I know one day, maybe a month from now, we'll talk and we'll laugh about how we were each waiting for the other person to open the door. I know it. I feel it in my bones, you know, like you just see each other and you're like, hmm, because it's such a when you go to like an exercise class or whatever, you're so like, do I want to talk to people? Am I in the zone? I don't know. So I feel it out. That's really how I do it. Sometimes I open that door. Like one time there was a girl in my own class who was late. uh, And I like said to her after class because she seemed cool. And I was just like, oh, that's like, that's such a horrible feeling. And I think we were all just like glad you were able to make it into class or whatever. Just something just very human. And that's it. You know, and you know, somebody has this kind of embarrassing moment of they were scrambling or whatever and just was like oh yeah that was we've all been there like no one was mad at you or whatever and we ended up talking and it's like now we talk all the time and it's just those moments where you're like this person seems kind of cool let me say one thing maybe they'll be like she's not for me and that's okay then that's not my person that's okay I didn't say anything weird. I didn't like, I didn't weird her out. I didn't say like, I just skinned an animal. Like I, I, I made an offhanded comment. We're either going to connect further or we won't. But I, but it's man, so much of, I think what keeps us from meeting people is not that we're not going to this one magical place where everyone's meeting everybody. It's that fear. It's that fear of rejection. I think so. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I think a theme for dating friendships and it's interesting that yeah. you say that because like that's also my advice like I feel like I'm really in tune to like when I'm on and when I'm off yes like so I know if I'm like sometimes I'm running errands or I'm doing shit and I'm like I am not trying to engage right that's what I mean yeah like my dream man could cross my path and like it's not going to be today because today is not the day that I have the light on you know what I mean yes I'm (laughs) off I'm off duty we're not doing this and then other times the light is on I'm on duty. And so I'm taking the extra two seconds to let any woman in my vicinity that I actually think looks cute or pretty or her hair is great or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That all of those things are true. I might be t- commenting yeah. on dogs, just whatever it is. Like, and yeah. having that muscle be strengthened in these like really low stakes everyday situations makes it so much easier to talk to people when I think that they're hot. It also makes it so much easier to just be social in general. And it's because it's like a muscle. Yeah, it really is. And it's like the more we practice it, we see that it's not as scary. That's literally what it is. We see that it's not as scary. We're more open to it. We see that it's possible. Once you see that it's possible to have these connections with people, it's it is easier to meet people in that way. And it doesn't matter the location. It's I really think that it's like. It really is, yeah, developing that muscle. And the other thing, too, when you mentioned your light not being on 
sometimes an important thing to remember, too, is sometimes my light's on and the person I'm talking to, their light's off. And that's not a personal rejection, you know, like because I've had moments where I've been like, oh, I was like really friendly to this person at the store or whatever. And they were just like, I don't care. But you know what? I've had moments where like someone comes up to me and my dog on the street and I'm like, I don't mm -mm, my light is off right now. I'm exhausted. There's stuff. I don't have time for a meet cute right now. I just don't want to talk to you. And it's not personal. And that person could have been wonderful. Maybe we'll meet in a week when my light is on and I'll like them. So if we can kind of remember these things when our fear of rejection comes up and we're just like, oh, their light is off. That's OK. Yeah, it's interesting. I have a friend. Her name's Cass. And um, I met her because I was gardening in my front yard and she was on a walk with one of her friends in, I think, 2021. And she lived in San Francisco at the time and was just like down in L.A., maybe like checking it out. I was like, I think I want to move here. And so we exchanged information after this, like, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes just like talking in wow. front of my front yard. And yeah. uh, then she ended up moving to the same neighborhood that I live in. And we like yeah. legitimately are friends and legitimately hang out. And it's an interesting thing because like, yeah, people are like, how did you meet? It's like, oh, she was literally walking by my house. But that's and that's what I'm saying. And I think that's also why it drives me so nuts when people like want the one place to meet people, because all of my friends, the answer is either like like you were saying the weirdest. It just was fate or it was like the Internet. Like, but I I've never had one place that was like, you know what? Anytime I've needed a friend, I go pick him up at this one store. Like, what? <laughs> no, of course not. That's not that's not how anyone is is doing this. If they are. I feel like we'd all know what it was where it's like, yeah, there's a Walgreens on this one exit that like everyone meets really great friends. Like, stop talking about it like that. It's just so, so stupid I, to me when I hear that. Yes. I literally I just interviewed a dating coach who has been doing it for like 17 years. And yeah. uh, I said to her, her book's coming out in January. I was like, dude, I actually liked your book and I don't like dating books. And yeah. I was like, the reason why is that you're not walking around pretending like you have the answers because the answers right. don't exist. If the answers existed, you and I would have ridden off into the sunset with our happily ever afters. Right. And it's like, you know, I guess what I would say to that is like, I think the answers exist, but I don't think one answer exists. I think that's the problem. And that's, I think that's what you're saying, too, where it's like a lot of the advice we're given, it's like, Girl, you're just not doing this one thing. Why won't you do that, you idiot? And it's like, what the? How did that style of advice get so popular? There's not one answer for everybody. TikTok. That's not it. There's so many. I Well, and a lot of a lot of dating books, a lot of bitch get it together books. I don't like it. I don't like it. It just it doesn't. There's so many people that leaves out. I've never related to that stuff. And honestly, I think that's why a lot of my work, a lot of my writing, a lot of the stuff that I do in the world is kind of a fuck you to that, to, to that, like, ugh, get it together. This has been really easy for me. Well, then guess what? I don't want to hear your book about it. If you had yeah, yeah. the easiest time, I don't want to hear from you. Why would I want to hear from you if you've never struggled with dating and yet you're writing a dating book? Why are we going to you for advice? You never struggled with making friends, and yet you're writing a book about how it's easy. I don't. Why are these our experts? It's very strange. Yeah, I do think one of the things that's cool about you is that you're very open about wanting to be loved. And I think that is often like weaponized, or at least I have felt at various times in my life like, oh, if you really want to be loved, whether that's romantically or in a friend setting, like I want to have this cool group of friends, or I want to feel chosen by or or just meet my person that you're somehow desperate or that you're somehow like pathetic and the reality is is I think actually everyone wants those things yeah of course they do that's it's, it's very human every, not everyone's yeah just not everyone's as honest about wanting it and or honest about their struggles in trying to get it because that's an easier that's an easier path. You know, uh, I think a lot of times in my life, I kind of I didn't understand why I couldn't be the person who needs nothing. The person who's just like, oh, I don't care if that doesn't matter to me. Like I, I have met people who've been like, yeah, I don't really care if I have friends or not. And I'm like, that's extremely strange. Like you don't need any support. That's very, You don't need any camaraderie or joy or fun or backup. Um, you don't need community at all. It just doesn't interest you. 
But, you know, you think about it, um, that is something that a lot of that sort of cool girl trope is something that so many of us were taught to be in in friendship and in dating. And I have never related to that. I, I wrote a an article for Glamour like years ago that was like, am I the last hopeless romantic? Because it felt like I was meeting so many guys who were just like, you're cool with just like chilling and having horrible sex with me and me never sh- treating you like a human being, right? And I was like, no, absolutely not. Are we all supposed to pretend that? But then you kind of look around and you will see some people who are like, yeah, I love this. And you're like, okay, I guess it's just me. But then, you know, thank God for the ability to to talk about these things and write about them. Because then after writing that, I heard so many women who were like, yeah, is it like not cool to want someone to bring me flowers? It's not it's not cool to want someone to have an emotional openness with me. And but like, I think a lot of us are are coming out of this kind of if we don't need anything, we'll be chosen. If we're the person who can need the least, if we're the person who doesn't care either way, then we'll get it. If we play this secret game, we'll get it. But so many of us are finding out we never got it when we played that game. You're not going to get it. If, if you're sitting, you know, it's like a it's like a job. If you're like, honestly, zero salary is cool with me. I just I'm not one of those like needy people who like needs to be paid for their work. I'm not like those other girls, you know, <laughs> like, so then what are we going to get paid? Zero dollars. That guy is going to give us zero dollars. He's going to be like, great, what a bargain. I'm going to save my money. And then and then he's going to give it to the girl that makes him give it to. He's going to, yeah, he's going to give it to the woman who won't settle for less than 500K. And he's going to be like, okay. Here we go. Well, I saved it on all these other girls. Yeah. Uh Who were were too cool for it. And it's like, I have so much empathy for that because this is what we've been taught, you know, but it's just like, oh, I think that's. That kind of like people pleasing stuff and that kind of like, oh, I can be perfect if I can mold my needs around what is socially acceptable, what I've been told is what like hot girls do or whatever we've internalized that like if you're going to be a woman and you're going to do it right, you have to do this. And I really I want that. Yes, I really just want so many of us to like be able to be honest about what we actually want, what we actually need. Because what's funny is, and I've noticed this so much from talking about it for so long, so many of us are like playing this game because we're trying to fit in. The amount of like DMs that I get of people who are like, I thought I was the only one. I I feel that way too secretly. I think almost all of us secretly are like, we of course have needs, have things that we want in our relationships, have a deep want to be loved and and to have someone be romantic with us and to be like and we're it's just that it's like not cool to talk about but if we all raised our hands at the same time and we're like wait can we just cut the shit we I think we all want this this spell would be broken you know yeah yeah so let's say I'm coming to you as a friend and I'm like I actually do want the flowers and I I do want to be treated well and I don't feel like I'm getting that and it can be in a romantic setting or Let's just keep it like for friends. Like I know you have so many chapters on kind of all of this, but I would love to hear your advice for like if I feel like I'm not attracting the kind of friendships that I necessarily like I show up better than my friends show up for me. How do I go about adjust? (laughs) Like how do I go about changing that? How do I adjust that? What should I do? So this is the lesson that I have uh, had to learn many times. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing like with everything I talk about the call is coming from inside the house which I, I that's 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 always what I want when I'm like listening to it girl um, same that's why I have right. this show like that's I'm literally like, what we're doing this we're like yeah that's been my struggle forever and that's why I know it and I'm not like what girl you need to do better that's so weird that you're struggling with this oh god I hate it I know um, people come on and share their like <laughs> deepest darkest rejection stories and I'm like oh yeah 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 ditto yeah like what i'm like straight up i'm like this Mm -hmm. is my sweet spot like just yeah we're we're all um so the frustrating thing is that the answer to this and i say this because it's frustrating for me every time i realize this is the answer and i know because people who struggle with people pleasing or like giving maybe more than other people or things like this what we really struggle with is boundaries And so, of course, it sucks that it's like that's what it has to be. But I would say you have to mitigate how much you're giving because sometimes we think 
that if we just keep giving, if we just keep giving, that they're going to eventually give it back. But like, and it's that kind of, I can change them. And, and that's another thing that like, we think only exists in romantic relationships, but it exists in our friendships. I've done this so many times and like, oh, I can like train them to be a better friend. And look, if they're like a good friend, you can train each other to like be great friends. You can tell people your needs. You can expand on it. That's true. But we can't you can learn each other's love languages. Right. Like if you're somebody that really yeah. loves gifts and I know that, then I can start yes. to be like, uh, Lane would love this little thing. Like that's how I can show up for her. As opposed to if you're the type of person that I know just needs to hear that you're doing a great job. Like, yes, those are things yeah. that we just naturally pick up on in our friendships. But you're basically saying, like, I'm thinking of someone who I love, love dearly, and she consistently has always overextended herself, like, throughout her whole mm. life with yeah. most of her friendships. And if, you, like, if I were to show you kind of the history of both, you would be like, damn, she deserves better. So I want her to hear this. <laughs> no, I, and I get it. And it's like, I think the tough thing is to... One of the things that's come up with me a lot because I have often been that person where, ugh, and and some of some of it is some of it is attachment styles too, and that is like also why I talk about that because there is <laughs> I do I do talk a lot about this subject in the book because it's so easy to a think we can change people or think like oh like this person just sucks and it's like no I, I think that because a lot of times when we're not getting what we need from somebody it's so hard to just like cut and run because. Generally speaking, when I've had a friend who like I wasn't getting a lot of my needs met, I was still getting a lot from the friendship. It's not it's not that black and white, I think, for most of us where it's like because if you're really getting nothing from somebody, it is a lot easier to leave. But if you're getting like something, yes. but oh, they're not doing this or they say things like and I think this happens. Yeah, no, I guess this happens in both. They say things like, oh, yeah, I really want to do that for you. I'm going to be better about that. And then they just don't. And you're like, oh, fuck, this is this is just how you are. You're literally not capable of giving me this. And that doesn't make you bad, but it does make you bad for me. That's it. Because that's that's really what it is, is like you have to look at like, why are you comfortable constantly being disappointed by this person? And of course, the answer is we're not comfortable with it. It's deeply uncomfortable. But why are we accepting it? Like, why do we keep going back to this empty well and being like, maybe there's water in it today. I'm going to I'm going to leave five bucks in front of the the well and like I'm going to uh, bring them lunch. And it's like the well will never have water in it, no matter how much you try. We bring to the well. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also interesting because it's like I, I use food a lot as an analogy, despite the fact that I hate that analogy. I just think we've been. Everybody can relate to diet culture, eating all of these dumb things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I was, I'm allergic to truffles and truffle oil, which is such a wild allergy. (laughs) Like, I know, I know that if I accidentally ingest that, I'm going to be violently ill two to three hours from then. So, like, why would I know something's not good for me and then continue to ingest it? But it's like what you were what you were saying, where it's like they it doesn't necessarily mean they're bad, but it does mean that they're bad for you. And so yes. you have this choice where it's like, OK, am I going to honor what's good for me or am I going to continue to try and prove my self-worth or or whatever this exercise is yeah. in trying to get this person to treat me differently? Right. And that's literally what it is, because so many of us, <laughs> we want. We want it to work out. We are trying to avoid a friendship breakup at all costs. And Mm. also because of the shame around friendship breakups and because we don't talk about it and because there there is this idea that it's like the worst thing that could happen because we have internalized that so much that we're like, well, I can't leave this friendship. If I leave this friendship, I ended it. And it's like, well, actually, the issues between you ended it. You just walked away for your own peace. But it's something I have to remind myself of a lot because we have that internalized, like, you ended a friendship? Who do you think you are, you horrible demon? And it's like, it wasn't working in the same way that if, when you take your, like, friendship breakup story, the one that you're, like, the most, not ashamed of, but you feel the most conflicted about, if that was someone you were dating and you took that to somebody and you were like, yeah, I wasn't getting what I needed. And they were just kind of treating me like shit sometimes and blah, 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 blah. The other person, if this was in a dating context, would be like, good for you. Get out of that. Someone better exists. With friendship, 
there's this idea that like, mm, I don't know if I believe you, you should have worked at it. And it's like, what? No. Yes, that's really interesting. And I also think, God, the parallels are just so similar because yeah. the sunk cost fallacy also goes the same way for relationships. Yes. Like so many people don't want to leave relationships because they don't want to start yep. over again. They don't want to deal with the breakup. They don't believe something better yep. is out there. Just all of these things. And I I love what you said about like having to make the choice, the, the healthy choice for you, which isn't always the easy yep. choice or the fun choice, but it's the right choice. So you mentioned friend breakups. Ugh. And we had talked about how I had Nancy Jo Sales on and she talked a little bit yeah. about like ghosting and why it's so yeah. painful. But that happens in friendships and friend breakups. Yep. Do you yep. have any <laughs> tip tips or like advice for people who are going through breakups? Like how do you bounce back better? Yeah. So a lot of it, I think, is repetition. Because I don't think it's as easy for most of us to be able to be like, you know what? I'm better off and whatever. And then like you never think about it again. I mean, there are some friendship breakups I've had that happened years ago. And I still think about them. And there's some part of me that's like, should I have tried harder to fix that? Should I reach out to them? I miss them. And I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. And I just I talk to myself like I would a nervous little child and be like, no, you don't miss them. I'm so sorry. But you you miss who they were to you at one point in your life, they are not the same person. The person you miss doesn't exist. And it depends on the breakup. But I think for a lot of us, that's what it is. It's like we miss what we were at one point in our friendship and then it went awry. And we are still, we're kind of gaslighting ourselves and telling ourselves like, I probably didn't try hard enough. I could go back to that and do it better. Maybe I didn't communicate what was wrong in the right words to get them to change. Like we're still doing all this stuff that's not that's not real. So for me, when those moments come up, I'm like, I, I try to validate it and say like, yeah, no, it really was a beautiful friendship for a, a while there. And then that person really hurt you and that wasn't acceptable. And we don't need to keep going back and begging somebody to treat us better. And that really helps my brain because I'm like, oh, that's correct. And also, why yes. are they coming and apologizing? Why are they coming and trying to fix it? Why does it have to be me going to convince the person who hurt me to heal it? What are we doing there? You know, that's so interesting. I went through a phase when I was younger where I lost a lot of girlfriends. Yeah. And it made me go like, well, what is wrong with me? Like, exactly. Maybe I'm a bad friend. Yeah. And there actually was something that was wrong with me. And it was not that I was a bad friend, but it goes back to what we were discussing where it was like, no, it was a boundary issue. Yes. And it was a picking issue. Yep. And it was a rushing in issue. And it's yes. like I was affording people that had not earned my trust yet. Yep. Trust privileges. Yes. I was not being as clear and firm with my boundaries. And so that led to a lot of friends that I would classify as like users. And yeah. so sometimes on my worst days, I'll look back and be like, see, you are a shitty person. Like, yeah. think about all those people. And then I have to be like, wait, girl stop being a little bitch to yourself. Like th those people were not good for you. And your flaw was that you were learning like your patterns that you yeah. have since worked on and changed, you know? And I think we do the same thing with dating. But, and and so much of that, the, the, the differences between the dating and the friendship is that there is such a premium put on have it making a friend and keeping it forever. We don't do that with dating. If it ends, it ends. It's not a good fit. It's not a good fit. Who cares? It's fine. With friendship, we're like, well, you better keep them forever. There, There is this that that's the only good friendship is one that lasts forever. And so, of course, we're going to keep beating ourselves up for that probably more often than we would, you know, some person we dated 10 years ago that it didn't work out with. You know, we're going to we're going to think about the friendships more because of this bullshit we have around well, all friendships are supposed to last forever. 
And it's funny because I've seen people occasionally on social media or whatever say things like, and they're very well intentioned, but they'll say things like, oh, you know, I'm excited to read Lane's book on friendships. I already have really incredible friends, but I'm excited to read it anyway. And I'm like, and what I always want to say to them, because I know it's well-meaning and and that's fine. And I'm sure they do. I believe them. But the one thing we can count on in this life is that your friendships are going to change, period. You don't know what is down the road. You cannot tell me that you will never break up with any of those friends. You cannot tell me that your friend won't have a bunch of kids and you don't have kids and that makes things weirdly strange for you. You can't tell me that uh, you won't go through a divorce and all your friends are still married and that will make you feel weird. You cannot tell me that you're never, ever going to need to learn what to do when your friend group changes, what to do when you have a falling out, what to do when you have your first big problem. So I think I just... What do you do? Which one of those? (laughs) What do you do when you're like the only single one and everybody's coupled up and it's weird because you're no longer like maybe invited to some of these things or they start treating your relationship troubles as like not as important or you know what I mean like I do yeah that's a lot of what I talk about in in the book too is these all these unexpected ways that your friendships could change because I know I've had that where I've been like oh someone moved and like they told me I wouldn't lose them as a friend but of course I kind of did because in order to maintain a long distance relationship even if it's a friendship you got to do it differently and maybe one person can and one person can't one person will one person won't all these very Variables, you know, so I just I just always think it's funny when people are like my friends are great and it will never change. And I'm like, oh, you sweet, sweet baby. <laughs> I've just seen it so many times where it changes because you change. They change. People are ever changing. So but in terms of, you know, being the only the only single friend, all of those things, there is a whole whole chapter on that because I've had that happen many times. And and one of the one of the things that I will say is that I, a lot of it when I have experienced that or it felt like that two things. One is reaffirming your own worth because everybody is on their own timetable. Everybody's on their own timetable. It's so hard to remember, but we do have this idea that like this other person did it sooner, so they're doing it better. This other person already has that figured it out, so I'm behind. And I just, I don't believe in that. I think most of us don't, but then like subconsciously we do, so that's what we have to work on. And the other thing that I will tell that person is all of your friends could break up with their partners any day now. You don't know. Like, not that you're wishing for that, but like, it's so easy to think, oh, they're all doing it right. But I think we need to remind ourselves that like everybody's on their own path. And, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of like sometimes with friends of mine that I've had in the past when I've had those feelings, I've been like, OK, let's just for fun. Would you want to have that partner that they have? And the answer is no. So like, no. <laughs> you got to try to look at it from some different angles. You know, would you ever recommend like having a conversation with them and being like, hey, I feel uncomfortable about the way that I mean, I've done this. So I'm this is, I guess, a leading question. I remember I had a friend who was married and anytime I would bring up any issue that I had with my boyfriend, she would compare it to her and her husband. And I had to be like, I need you to stop because it's not the same. And you're I feel like you're diminishing what I'm going through or you're constantly like trying to make this about you. And it's like, sometimes I just need you to make it about me. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, Yeah, it was an uncomfortable conversation, but it's like I had to say it. Well, so here's why. So, yes, I I, I am the mo- like the biggest advocate for like communication and maybe even over communication. And part of the reason why I am is because so many of in so many of my relationships, I when they were over and this is romantic or not, I would think, oh, I should have told them what I needed. Maybe they didn't know. Maybe they would have given it to me. And I would argue that in a lot of my relationships, I did tell them. Maybe not as directly, but I feel like the right person would have known. That's just my feeling on my own past with relationships. Like when you were talking about like these people were just taking and taking and taking, like the right person would have been like, this is off balance. Let me fix it without you having to say it. That's just my feeling. Right. Yes, <laughs> I'm yes. like, we know this, right? Okay, cool. Uh, I don't feel no, like I should I, have to I, be I, like, yeah. you should be giving more to our relationship. That's that's weird. But here's what I love about communicating those needs. You are giving somebody a chance to show up for you. And if they don't show up for you, you just saved yourself so much time in the future going back and being like, I wasn't clear enough about what I needed. I'm sure it's my fault and they would have given it to me. No, no. You said, hey, this is literally what I need. Can you give it to me? And they said, no. Or That's actually a time saver. No. Or they showed you no. Yes. Totally, totally. Yeah. In some way, they told you, 
that they couldn't do it. That is a gift. I fully agree because it's also like I think some of the one of the places that people seem to struggle with breakups of any kind is the letting go. And they'll like replay the movie or they replay the good times or they just don't want to let go. And I think part of it is it's a lot easier when it's very clear because then the precisely that's exactly the choice is either you or them or this. When I say them, it's not even them. It's this idea that you're hoping for. Right. You know, like because if you get really clear about what it is that you need and those needs aren't being met, we just wouldn't do that in other areas of our life. Like if I was going to the doctor or or it's like, I mean, I guess people do that with their nail techs. Those videos are always going viral. But it's (laughs) like if I kept going to the same nail lady and every single time she fucked up my nails, I'd find a different nail lady. Yeah. But the tough thing. She probably only have to she'd only have to fuck it up a couple times. I'd find a new nail lady. Like right. it doesn't even have to be consistent. She could like she could hit it out of the park 75 percent of the time. But if she's fucking up 25 percent of the time, I'm probably like, nah, I'm good. But, you know, and but you know what? <laughs> I would argue it could still happen with your nail lady. And here's why. If you have bonded with your nail lady in any way, if you like talk to her a lot and she like fucks up sometimes, that bond is what fucks us up. If you, I guess if you don't talk to your nail lady at all and it's like really transactional, it's a lot easier to leave. But if you bond to somebody, so many of us have that loyalty and we want to be like, yeah, that's the person who does my nails. I love her. She's so great. We're, do you know what I mean? And then that would kind of keep you going back to them because you bonded. And True. I say that as somebody Who's had people who I'm like, oh, they always they kind of fuck it up sometimes, but I don't want to leave because like, what am I going to do? Find a new person. And like, I kind of like them. And do you know what I mean? So it's so funny that you say that because I was like, oh, wait, I've done this. Why? And like, what am I doing? And she's been so good to me. And she did this for me one time. But like, I still struggle with it, even if it is somebody doing some kind of like beauty service. I'm realizing it as I was thinking about it. I was like, nope, I struggle with that shit, too. Yeah, that's true. That's no, that's that's actually really real. But I think that but, uh, what, you're what you're saying, saying is still is still true. Right. What you're saying is still true. It, but it's so hard once we have a connection because we the good news about that struggle is that it is showing it's like shining a light on the part of us that deeply wants community, deeply wants connection, deeply is ready for connection, even if it's with our our nail lady. And we're just like, I don't know, I love her, even though she's like doing this. I think if we follow that spark and say, okay, it's not this nail lady. What if, and I do this a lot, what if you could have a nail lady who you really like and you feel like, you know, there's something about them that like their energy is really great and you love spending time with them the same way you felt about this other person. And they do your nails right every time. Can we find that? Because that's what I have to tell myself. I'm like there it's possible to love this person who does this thing you who gives you what you need every time who can bring you the good things about this person you miss this person that isn't working with you could find both in another person yeah it's a lot of like healing is reframing and being really like clear with yourself and then also believing in the hope for a better future correct and I think it's we get we get caught up in the like but this was my best friend since I was three or you know when we were 25 she saved my life proverbial or literally you know like yeah or whatever it is or you know but we were gonna get married we were engaged and he was my dream man it's like You have these stories, these narratives that ultimately we're giving more power to than what our real needs are. Because they're also all in the past. They're all in the past. If you're talking about somebody exclusively in the past, oof, you're you're in trouble. That's always that's always what it is. Where it's like, well, okay, name five great things about it now. If you can't do that, that's that's your answer. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Especially if you're the only one that's coming to the table. Like you cannot be the only one that wants to work on a friendship. If the other person, like if you're like, I'm not being treated well and you've expressed it and they're breadcrumbing you or they're like saying, I'm going to be better and then they never do or they just don't care. Yeah. You cannot continue to give little pieces away. Or you'll have nothing left. Yeah. Or, uh, I mean, know? honestly, for, for a lot of people who struggle with that, you probably have nothing left now. <laughs> you probably already have nothing left when you've been in that dynamic for a long time. Yeah. But would you also argue that if you, say, are a people pleaser with bad boundaries and a r- strong desire to be loved in community and all of that, that you could start today 
to turn it around and not be that in the future? Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, you can you can change it at any time. I mean, I think that that's uh, I think one of the people, you know, one of the things that people who struggle with that, you know, myself included, I've struggled with that a lot. We really are forgetting that we have power in the situation, that we have a choice we, and we do. And and I think one of the hardest things, but one of the best things that we can do is like to, to choose ourselves above this situation and and that's when it changes. Literally, that's when it changes. And it's like, it's one of the things I do, like, because I get, you know, so many questions, like advice, like, what do I do? What do I do with this? Sometimes one of the things I do is, is I tell myself, I give myself the advice that I would give to a listener or a reader or someone on social media, like, and it really helps where I'm just like, stop it. That person sucked. Why are we romanticizing them? You know, like, like a little bit of that tough love that I would, I would give a stranger. I give it to myself and it helps a lot. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's so much easier to swap yourself out, put a friend, a stranger, whoever, and then suddenly like we wouldn't tolerate any of this shit that we're currently tolerating. Totally. Yeah. So the holidays are here and it can be a really hard and lonely time for a lot of people. Yeah. I know you've written about this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, before I let you go, I would just love like, do you have any advice, words of, I don't know, to, to help get people <laughs> through this tough time? The biggest thing that I want to impart to people, because this is something that nobody ever told me. And so now uh, it's like all I want to, to tell people because I wish somebody had had told me this. I, you are you're allowed to enjoy the holidays as well. And so and and what I mean by that is so much of the really tired model we have of like, well, my parents want me to come and do this because blah, 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 even though like they kind of treat me like shit and they do this and they do this and this is really painful, but I have to do it because it's my family. No, no. I, I, you know, I know not everybody has the choice to say, fuck that, but so many of us do. And it's just that we feel like socially we can't or else we're bad. And you're allowed to say like, I don't want to go do that because it's painful for me. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, I'm glad I got to ask you that. What's a killer move? We could do it in the instead of it being for romantic, like with friendships. Something that always works in your friendships. What, is, what do you mean? Well, I guess for me, like I would say a killer move for me when I'm feeling like low or lonely is I reach out to five people because sometimes I realize that I'm not hearing from people because I'm not reaching out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's absolutely one of mine. Um, because, yeah, the other person might be thinking the same thing. That happens to me so often when I reach out to a couple people and I'm like, oh, yeah, I've just been kind of feeling like alone and depressed. And then the other person's like, yeah, I didn't reach out to you for the same reason. What's one thing in your self-love practice? Uh, changing the way I talk to myself, changing, you know, working with the inner critic who is, can be a real dick and just kind of shifting that, being very mindful of that of that inner voice same yes <laughs> and uh, what is the best love or dating advice you've ever received i don't know if nothing stands out to me honestly there, there's nothing that what i and i'll say that because a lot of what i have learned that has helped me has been like me doing the work and then finding answers from that what i mean is that sometimes we're our greatest teachers you know what i mean we see ourselves so much more so i think a yeah, lot of the stuff sure. that i found out has just been through my own work on myself and i've been like fuck all right that's <laughs> that is the truth of that and and sometimes you do get that through conversations with other people but i guess my point is i wish someone had saved me a lot of fucking time and work on myself and had given me the magical answer but the, that wasn't that was not my path <laughs> do you feel the same way about friendships like the best friendship advice yeah same same thing same thing i i wanted a cheat code so badly i wish i could say somebody told me this and it it, it helped everything. Yeah. Well, Lane Moore, you're a treat. If people want more of you, I'm going to link to your books in the show notes. Okay. Um, so okay. people will be able to go find them there. But if they want more of you, how do they find more of you? How do they follow you on the yeah. socials? All the things. Yeah. So um, I have a podcast called I Thought It Was Just Me because that's something I, I feel all the time and I hear from people all the time. That is on patreon.com uh, slash Lane Moore. And you can find me on every social media at hello lane moore and lanemore.org i love that yes and you have two books you do live yeah. shows oh yeah yeah things. thank you so thank you so much it's so funny because i, I feel like <laughs> i have to say when i uh i've done like podcasts where it's like i'm a guest and some kind of mediocre man is the guest 
and he'll be like, yeah, and I also do this like open mic every six months. They're like so specific and they'll list like 50 things they do is all I'm saying. I'm like, I have a lot of things I do that are like great and I'll, I'll list like two, but like so many mediocre men will be like, yeah, and I also grocery shop on Sixth Avenue. And you're like, what? why are you listing 50 things? But it's because they take up space. So I will take up space. Yes, you can come see my comedy show Tinder Live every single month in New York City. I am also doing San Francisco Sketch Fest in January. Uh, all my tour dates are at lanemore.org as well. And yes, my first book is called How to Be Alone If You Want to and Even If You Don't. And the second book is You Will Find Your People, How to Make Meaningful Friendships as an Adult. Thank you for reminding me to take up space, say all the things. <laughs> yes, yes. Good, good. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> Hey guys, thanks again for listening. If you made it this far, I am assuming that you did, in fact, like this episode. So this is the part where I ask you to please follow the show, subscribe to it, rate it five stars, and or leave me a comment. Fun fact, if you're listening on Spotify right now, you can actually leave comments on specific episodes. Fun! That said, I appreciate you regardless, and I hope you have a great week. Thanks again for listening, and see you next Tuesday.